0: everybody, it's Letitia. Let's see if there's any updates that I need to tell y'all about. Um, one of the updates that's coming is I will start recording the podcast on live soon. When I tell y'all that that is something that is just like completely, it feels like invasive to me just because of the the way that I'm wired and how private I am. However... Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really in a space now where I'm being challenged to come out of comfortable comf- comfortable places, comfort zones, whatever you want to call it, not just like in business, but just in so many areas where I'm being nudged and challenged to show up in ways that make me very, very uncomfortable. Um, so before I resisted, when I was talking to my um, social media slash marketing strategist. I was just like, tell me what you're thinking or like what you're envisioning. And she told me a little bit and she said, is it a problem? I was like, no. So I said yes before I start, you know, telling myself all the reasons why I don't want to do it. Which brings me to, I've said this on a few podcasts before, commitment for me is saying yes I don't even know all of the details. I never know how it's going to turn out. Take this podcast as an example. I just say yes, and I move into it. If I wait for motivation, if I wait for inspiration, there will never be a day in time where I feel motivated or inspired to go live. It just will never happen. My clients go live. I coach them on it and through it. I'm real cool laying back in the cut, right? However, greater visibility is just part and parcel of what I have been given to do. So, you know, it's happened with the podcast. It's happened with, uh, you know, the articles and features. And so this visual visibility, if you will, is just another part of it. But to say that I'm comfortable with it would be lying to you. So stay tuned for that. I don't know where it's going to be, but next thing you know, y'all going to see me on the the billboard. Y'all going to see me on TV. So I'm just going along with the path. And I got to tell y'all that it requires me to dig in and trust God in a way that is just, yeah, I just have to trust God that, you know, these these things that he promised me are just going to happen and this is just a part of that path. And a, a lot of times we are really not willing to be uncomfortable enough to change something. I'm telling you this from my personal life. I'm telling you this as a coach. Let me tell you something. People sign up with me because they envision what they want their lives to be. They envision what they want their businesses to be or their relationships or whatever it is that they're signing up for coaching for. They can envision it. They can see it in their minds. They can get excited about it. But the hardest thing for them to do is to make the damn changes necessary to become the person that is needed to see those things come into fruition. And the difference between people who see results in life and people who don't are the people that are willing to do what is even uncomfortable so comfort is not the comfort is a luxury comfort is a real luxury when you are looking to change anything in your life and your business your comfort is a luxury and so it's not a luxury that i actually have right now so that's why i said Yes. So I'm just making commitments. I think I said before that I'm being challenged with new commitments, with with higher levels of growth and and responsibility. And I'm just saying yes, without having all the details, you know, building the plane as I fly. it. So I'm in the air and it's like, oh, where are we going? Kind of a thing. So I just feel curious, like, what are you envisioning for yourself and how uncomfortable are you willing to get to get there? Because I'm telling you, when the rubber meets the road, I even do this myself. I am a coach. When the rubber meets the when the rubber meets the road, and it starts getting hard, and it starts getting really, really difficult, I just be like, I don't, I don't really have to do that. It's it's not really that important that I do that. I'm really okay with this mediocrity for a moment becomes like an acceptable thing or being average. However, I thank God for my spirit being stronger. Right. Because my spirit will always kick in and be like, no, this this is not what we're doing. You ain't come all this way to settle for mediocrity or to settle, settle for average. Yes, things are good, but things are going to be so much greater because there is so much more that you have to do and to be and to have because it's just who I've been designed to be. But if I were to tell you that it was comfortable, I would be lying to you. And I'm telling you, it's the reason why so many people don't see change, because they're not willing to change. So if that is you, then hmm, take note. Let me see if there's anything else that I wanted to update. I think that might be about it for updates. So the thing that I want to talk about now, because some of y'all just might not be privy to this information about yourself. I feel like yourself is somebody that you should always be getting to know. And so many of us don't really know ourselves. So I was reading a book called Attachment Theory by Thais Gibson, T-H-A-I-S. Y'all know I read about two books a week. So yeah, I was reading a book about attachment theory and how our attachment styles really shape you know, how we're showing up in life. And I, I talked about this in another podcast in a different way, but our attachment styles were formed based on, guess what? Our childhood <laughs> environment. So I just want to share the attachment styles with you so that you can see where you fall in the attachment styles and how you might be showing up in life and how you might, you know, want to do them some things differently. If your attachment style, you can change your attachment style, by the way. But let's start with, there's, there's four primary attachment styles. So the secure attachment style is just like it sounds. It's the ability to form secure and loving relationships with other people. So based on the book, a person that's securely attached, they can trust others. They can be trusted. They can love. They can accept love. They can get close to other people with relative ease. So they don't have this like inbred fear of intimacy nor do they feel panicked when they're partners or when people need time or space away from them. Like they're able to be interdependent so they can depend on others without becoming totally dependent. Does, does that make sense? So that's a secure attachment style. So statistically, they say about 56% of adults have a secure attachment type. I don't know where those adults are, but hey, I'm just telling y'all what the, the statistics say. So how does that relate to childhood? Well, you securely attach when in childhood your caregivers um, respond to your needs. So y'all know this, this mindset that says like, let the baby cry because the baby needs to learn to self-soothe. It makes me so angry when I think about it because my daughter used to have a, a babysitter who, who that was her philosophy. And I was like, no, not mine. So the, you you have a baby who has been in utero for nine, ten months, however long you've been pregnant. The baby comes into this strange world, right? Completely dependent on you for everything the baby needs to survive. Do you know that they say infants can die from lack of physical touch? So the baby gets a few months old and you say, oh, let the baby just sit there and let the baby learn to self-suit. Tell me how... You want the baby to self-soothe and your whole grown ass as an adult can't self-soothe yourself and regulate your own emotions, but you expect the baby to be able to learn how to do it. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rant. But anyway, when childhood and, and early infant needs are met through responding to like the cries of the baby or the needs of the baby or a constant presence, of physical and emotional presence by the parents, the children can grow up and they can attach securely. So they don't have this like separation anxiety because there's been a good balance of love and distance, which is how they, you know, were allowed to form secure relationships as an adult. Okay, so all of the other ones that I'm about to talk about are considered insecure attachment styles. Now, let me preface this by saying that I think it's almost like with anything else, you can see yourself in some of all of the attachment styles. Like I've done the attachment style quizzes. Y'all know I nerd out on anything like this, right? So a lot of the attachment style quizzes say that right now I'm mostly secure attachment. Well, that is only, only could come from my, my work and my inner work because this certainly is not the way that I always have been. Okay, so let's talk about the second one. Anxious attachment. Anxious attachment is a form of insecure attachment style, but it's marked by a deep fear of abandonment. You may never say the words, but the cry of your heart is, please don't leave me. I think you're going to leave me. So anytime where there is conflict, it, it it strikes a chord in the heart and that person is going to fear abandonment. This is not necessarily just romantic relationships, just the nature of relationships, period, right? So anxiously attached people tend to be very, very insecure about their relationships, All often worried that they're going to be left. Partners, friends, and they're always hungry for validation, right? So um, if you have people in your life or if you are the person in your life that is like needy or real clingy. Like you might get anxious if partners or friends don't text you back fast enough or feel like people don't care about you. A lot of times it can be an anxious attachment style right? And that comes from, again, not having your childhood needs met. Maybe there was inconsistency in how your parent or caregiver showed up. So without inconsistency, it's kind of like, Dangling the carrot of attention, time. Okay, now I'm removing it because I'm not available to you. So it just created this unpredictability and how you're going to be cared for. And so now you have this core wound that says people are going to leave me, right? So I'll give you an example. Like I have some relationships now. One of my primary attachment style is one of the ones that I'm going to tell you about, but I noticed that because I can show up in relationships as distant, a little bit aloof, a little bit like emotionally unavailable. For me, a lot of it is largely around putting boundaries around my energy. But a lot of times when I'm in that space, I feel people around me starting to become very clingy or like reaching out to me more And I know that it's simply their anxious attachment kicking in because that subconsciously they feel like loss or they they feel like the relationship moving away from them. But because I understand that, I can navigate it. If you don't understand these things about people like I didn't understand for a long time, people got on my damn nerves. I'm just telling y'all. And here I am called to help people, love people, grow people. I used to be like, God, you got the wrong one. That's how y'all know I got to depend on God to do the work that I do. So the other attachment style is called dismissive avoidant. This is also an insecure attachment style. This one is marked by a fear of intimacy. People with a dismissive avoidant attachment style, they have trouble getting close to others or trusting others in relationships. So they maintain distance from from partners or from friends. Like they, they keep a little bit of distance And a lot of times they're largely emotionally unavailable in their relationships, preferring to be independent and rely on themselves. And they say about 25% of adults have the dismissive avoidant attachment. I forgot 19% have anxious. So in my earlier, like younger years like younger, meaning like 20s, (laughs) I was probably the dismissive avoidance. So like anytime somebody would just get too close to me, I would almost feel like overwhelmed. Like I would almost start to feel like panic. Like it almost, I think there was just this fear of like my, my independence or my freedom or something would just be taken away. So I, I only allow people to get so close to me. And if it started to feel like they started crossing that line, then I'm going to pull away and draw back. So a fear of vulnerability as well as a fear of intimacy marked a lot of my relationships, right? Because of that dismissive avoidant attachment style. But it is tied to how I grew up. So a fearful avoidant attachment style is also an insecure attachment style. But it's a combination of the anxious avoidant attachment style and the dismissive avoidant attachment style. So people with fearful avoidant attachment, it's like they desperately crave affection and they want to avoid it at all costs. So it's, it's almost like if you've ever been in a relationship With somebody and you get push-pull energy from them, they come close and then they go far, they come close and then they go far, they're probably a fearful avoidant. Whereas the dismissive avoidant, they're kind of just always distant. But with fearful avoidance, you get a lot of push-pull. So if you pull back, they might come closer. When you come closer, they're going to pull back because they go back and forth on a pendulum between anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Something else that it said, though, is that the fearful avoidant attachment style is very rare, but they said it's associated with significant psychological and relational risks, including heightened sexual behavior and increased risk for violence in their relationship and difficulty regulating emotions in general. Well, I don't know. I could have been, I was in a violent relationship. And um, at one point I did have heightened sexual behavior and difficulty regulating my emotions. So hell, who knows? Maybe I was fearful avoidant and not dismissive avoidant. So the fearful avoidant attachment style, though, can present as dismissive if in relationship with an anxious person. If in relationship with the dismissive person, the fearful avoidant can present as anxious. So what I'm saying is, where do you see yourself in any of these relationships? I pray that y'all good and beautiful people find yourself on the secure attachment style. My goal is to grow into a secure attachment style where I can form relationships with ease, where I can trust others and be trusted with ease, where I can allow people close to me with ease. And I'm I'm working on <laughs> I'm working on that because pair that with me being an introvert who values privacy and alone time, you know, I I just am really working on just really becoming a better version of myself and showing up in a different way, right? So, let me tell you, I said this a little bit how um how these attachment styles are formed. They say they believe that these attachment styles are formed within our first year of being alive between 7 to 11 months of age. Now, that's what going back to what I said about the baby Let your baby be self-soothing at 10 months and and research attachment styles and see what might be happening to the baby while you are saying the baby needs to self-soothe and self-regulate. In fact, my daughter's former babysitter, she had a foster um, child. He was a baby. And when I would go to pick the baby up, I was like, this baby don't never cry. Like this baby is such a good baby. He never cries. You know why? Because for several weeks at a time, they let the baby cry. So the baby stopped crying. Now, why it looks right now like he's such a good and pleasant baby, what is going to happen to that young man? He, he probably a whole grown man right now. But what happens to him as he navigates through life and his emotional needs were not met, his emotional needs were ignored because he was supposed to have the ability to regulate himself and I guess just like figure out how to soothe yourself. Like some, some of the things that have been passed down to us again. It's, it's it's through nobody's fault because our parents, our grandparents, they passed down what was passed down to them. But when you see something and you see that this shit ain't right, you have a responsibility to shift it in how you're parenting or grandparenting, so that we don't we don't perpetuate these same toxic and dysfunctional patterns in in our families and in our children. Right, so I feel so passionate about it now because I passed down a lot of this until I started to be able to correct some of this. So, you know, the fact I always say the fact that my daughter is sane um in a securely attached relationship, it is just a miracle. I promise you, it is just a miracle and it is only by the grace of God because I was just a whole hot mess, okay? So anyway, um these attachment styles are formed when we're young, right? So the quality of the first bond is either gonna be loving and stable or it's either gonna be inconsistent and absent and it shapes the developing brain and that's gonna influence us throughout life and how we deal with loss and how we behave in relationships. And, and so you're shaping the baby's brain, not knowing that you, you, you're, you're setting this baby up. We, we don't know this, right? We don't know. So these things we do ignorantly, right? And, and just because we don't know. But this is what happens, right? With the secure attachment style, caregivers are responsive and attuned to the child's needs. So when that happens, when the baby cries, you nurture the baby, when you leave a room and the baby cries, and you come back, the baby knows that okay, mama or daddy is gonna be here. Now, notice this is energy because you might not be talking. The baby don't don't you, the baby is not verbalizing anything, right? So don't think that a child's intelligence comes when the baby is starting to talk or understanding. So the baby's needs are met. You're responsive and attuned to the baby's need. With an anxious attachment, caregivers are um, inconsistent. Unpredictable with affections, sometimes overly involved, and sometimes withdrawn. So like I said before, it's the unpredictable back and forth, the fluctuation between being emotionally available and then distant that leads children to have this form of anxiety because there was never any solid foundation or consistency with their caregivers, right? So let's talk about the dismissive avoidance. The caregivers are not responsive. They might be dismissive and often distant. So a lot of times with dismissive avoidance, they're consistently emotionally disconnected from their children. And so the child just has a, res- a belief that their needs won't get met. And so it forms this independence. When you find somebody that is Overly independent. We, we we love a strong, independent woman, a strong, independent black woman. But do you know that independence and, and like extreme independence is a trauma response? And so the dismissive, avoid, and attachment style moves into a place where they become overly independent because they feel like or they've learned to believe that meeting their own needs is the only way that they are going to get met. So people can actually feel like a threat, like just threatens their whole equilibrium. So with the fearful avoidant attachment, um, this caregiver might be frightening or traumatized. So the the child might start to experience uh, a, a sense of fear or a lack of trust in others, even though they want close connections, right? So in a fearful avoidant, the the caregivers might be neglective or abusive. So the child has no understanding of boundaries and is confused about what a healthy relationship looks like. So a lot of times, now fast forward to your adult life, right? If healthy relationships of any sort were not modeled before you, then where are you supposed to learn this, right? So you get into a relationship, whether, like I said, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a romantic relationship, none of these things was modeled before you, but you are, in fact, carrying out the things that were modeled before you, whether you know it or not. And so to conclude that, like I said before, you can have more than one attachment style like you may show up in one way with your family you could be dismissive with your family right but you might be anxious with a partner so you're I'm really cautious about like labels and things like that because I believe that we are complex and layered people and that we don't we don't necessarily fall into one category. So know that I'm just giving you a general framework, just trying to help you understand. So you can have more than one attachment style. They're not just this rigid thing and you don't necessarily show up the same way in all of your relationships. However, you might see a predominant style in your relationship. Like me, it was mostly distant dismissive and avoidant, right? And then your attachment styles can also change over time, right? So you could have good or good enough caregivers and you can still show up in relationships with your same, your same attachment style. So it's not always that your parents were bad or abusive or unavailable, right? So there's a lot of things that can contribute to your attachment style. It could be things that happened in your childhood that came from outside of your caretakers. You know, like people have experiences with bullying and all kinds of other things, right? So I just want you to think about that and don't like, um, what's the word I want to say? Some people are really rigid in their thinking and it's just like, I'm this or I'm that. I just want to give you information to help you understand you in a better way. The other thing is that you can heal your attachment style. The goal is to be able, like I said before about myself, which is my goal, to be able to securely attach, to be so solid within myself that I can trust others and be trusted, that I can love others and be loved. And it just doesn't have to always be this, you know, traumatic or traumatizing, you know, just this whole experience that is my ultimate goal. That's why I spend so much time doing this work. That's why I talk about it. That's why I'm passionate about it. That's why I'm committed to it because my desire is to have secure relationships. So you can heal your attachment style. One of the ways they say that you can heal your attachment style is that if you have like people around you that are securely attached, that you you pay close attention to them. They say like if a securely attached person is in relationship with anxious avoidant or dismissive avoidant that the securely attached person can really model certain behaviors that the other attachment styles can learn to model or mimic and actually be an influencer in helping to change and heal attachment styles. It's not necessarily their responsibility, but you know, in every friend group, in every relationship, in every partnership, there's usually influence, right? Somebody is influencing um, somebody one way or the other. So if you are the person with the secure attachment style, because you can, you know, be dependent and you can be independent and you can have space and you can have closeness, you can actually model for people like a, a secure way to be. Not like they're mimicking you, if you will, but just the the healthiness of that attachment style. So here's the other way that you can, you can um, heal your attachment style. This is really, really important. When you, if you don't have these relationships, then these might be the ones that you want to seek out. When you experience safety with somebody, right? When your needs are met and it doesn't really cost you to sacrifice yourself and you're loved and accepted for exactly who you are, then you can heal these attachment like ruptures or breaks, right? Because you have a different experience then the times when you may have been rejected or your needs weren't met. And so you're actually, it's a way of showing your younger self, your subconscious mind, that it's really safe. Let me say that again. If you don't have relationships around you where you feel safe, like you have a safe space, right? Then you want to find those relationships as a coach I am so big on providing a safe space for people because I know that so many people come to me and they need to heal from so many of these things and they don't even recognize it, right? So how is it It's so funny that I'm healing from the thing that I help people heal from? I feel like God has a sense of humor. But yeah, so I create a safe space. So for me, at this point in my life, if relationships don't feel safe to me, I don't want it. It doesn't. Ha- I'm not necessarily talking about romantic. Again, it, it, I don't care what kind of a relationship it is. If it doesn't feel safe to me and it's going to be deeply triggering for me, guess what? I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself in situations. That's a part of protecting my inner child, where I am constantly reenacting and validating the conclusions that I formed as my younger self because of these attachment styles or because of what my caregivers did or didn't do. Does that make sense? So now, um. Giving myself safety, right? Reconnecting with myself, but also I need and desire um, safety in those relationships around me. So I desire to provide that as well. So, again, if you want to read more about attachment style, she goes through so many different examples of how to heal your attachment style. That was just an overview. But the gist of it is there's a reason why you are the way you are. And a lot of times we just haven't done enough work or we haven't had the tools to figure out what it is and then do something to show up differently. We're just going through life, just just figuring it out day by day. But the, the problem is a lot of us aren't figuring it out, right? We're just going through doing what we've always done. But if you go back to my earlier example at the beginning, what are you willing to do? How uncomfortable are you willing to get to show up differently for me uh, I'm just willing to do the work and it is not by any means easy all right I love you beautiful people thank you so much for sharing the podcast going on this journey with me I always say we can do this together thank you for being on this journey uh, with me and I pray that you are growing because for me I'm I'm growing by leaps and bounds I love each and every one of you and thank you so much